0: Hi, welcome to She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields, the podcast for women leaders on a mission to change the world and build empires that have legacy, success, influence, and intergenerational wealth. We'll talk about how stigmas, stereotypes, grief, and other people's opinions can keep women's voices silenced and the impact these have on successful women and their emotions, their relationships, and their money. If you have felt silenced and need guidance, awakening, and amplifying your voice, visit KeishaShields.com to check out my best-selling Find Your Voice course. Please take a quick second to hit the subscribe button and let's get into this week's episode. Ashley Ashire is a writer, speaker, career development strategist, and founder of Mentor Me, a career and leadership development platform for professional women. Ashley leveraged her proven career advancement strategies and has developed a high impact framework for helping women get unstuck in life and career. She uses mentoring to serve women and teach them how to utilize their leadership skills to thrive personally and professionally. One of the things that I absolutely enjoy about having this platform of my podcast and having conversations is that I don't always agree with the perspectives of some of my guests. Ashley shares her perspective on navigating passion and purpose. And although her perspective is not a shared viewpoint with myself, there is so much value in being able to see validity in other people's experiences. I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields. And today I have Miss Ashley with me. And for those of you who are listening, this one is a video episode. So if you want to hop over to Ashley's episode webpage, you can just click the link in iTunes or wherever you're listening from and go there and you can watch it on video as well. So that's really awesome. So Miss Ashley, I wanted to thank you for coming on the episode and welcome you. Um, and so if you can tell our audience, our listeners a little bit about who is Miss Ashley
1: Yes, hello. I'm Ashley Ashire. I am a career development mentor, a public academic, a PhD in higher education administration, and I really am committed to serving women um, and really helping them identify their career area of impact, manage up, get their ideas heard at work and get paid for the value that they bring to their organizations. I do all of this work through my career development platform, Mentor Me, um, which really exists to help new mid-level and senior level professional women level up at work.
0: Oh yeah. So what are some examples of like leveling up that you have had in your own journey and maybe a one or two from people that you have kind of helped along the way?
1: Sure. I think the biggest level up in my career is really sort of just recognizing that I have values and skills right now that I can leverage and use to advance in my career. I think for a long time, um, and this is true of so many of my mentees before working with me, they're um, credential seekers. They're always looking for the next degree, the next credential, uh, the next certification. But what I really want women to learn how to do is to use what they already have, the skills that they already have, the degree they're already paying off to really learn how to use those skills, learn how to use those degrees, learn how to use what they already have to get what they want out of their career. And what women want is um, validation. What they often want is more compensation. What they want is to have more impact. What they want is to have more visibility at work, to be seen as an industry leader. But so often that doesn't seem available to them. And so my primary role as a mentor is to really help women move from where they are to where they want to be by helping them, one, identify what they're good at, Learn how to clearly articulate that in a meaningful way to employers and then package that skill articulation and take it to market to really get paid for the value that they bring to organizations and for them to get the visibility and drive impact in their
0: industries. Look, y'all. So Ashley came in here in just a couple of minutes, read us up and down. Okay, (laughs) how many of you all can relate to this Credentialing never feeling like you know enough, like you've done enough. I've just recorded a YouTube episode, it's not published yet, about feeling like you just never enough. So people are like, Wait, you already have from the outside looking in, you know, but you're like, You gotta go for that next degree. And, like you say, you're still paying off the previous two, you know, that you have, or whatever, always moving, you know, forward. Not though, because it's something that you truly just desire to do because sometimes you feel like you have to do it, or it's the next thing for you. So I love that you came right out the gate, like talking about that. I think that's just so true, you know. And I can like see that in times in myself and in people that I have worked with, you know. And I'm like, so those of you watching on video, I'm not in my head the whole time, I'm like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> And
1: you know, Keisha, what's true is that, and I just posted about this on social and it was interesting. I got a lot of pushback. So I talk about lies and myths in the career space. One of the biggest lies in the career space is that you have to work twice as hard to get half as much, right? Mm -hmm. And our our grandparents and our aunts and uncles told us this, you know, um, racism and discrimination and bias absolutely exist in the world of work. There's nowhere where it's free of that, particularly in this country and around the world, right? And so then, you know, we're working hard and we're trying to get these credentials and you know, we're trying to puff out our chest and, you know, show, hey, you know, look how hard I'm working. Look how, um, you know, much I'm doing. Look how late I'm staying. And you're completely burned out. You're completely exhausted. And it's a lie. It's a lie that's rooted in racism and white supremacy. And what I am committed to do as a career development mentor is really help women move away from this lie, move away from the lie that tells them, right, that they have to work twice as hard to get half as much. I'm not saying that racism and discrimination, don't uh, exist in the world. but What I'm saying is that we can't lean into the lie of racism and discrimination and then use it to prop us up for that we're, we're somebody's mule. No more of that. We have to really leverage our skill sets to get what we want to challenge racism in the workplace. But that doesn't mean serving on everybody's diversity committee and, and without compensation and resources, right? Like it's really about using our skill sets to get what um, we want. And I teach women how to do that in a way that helps them avoid burnout, that helps them align their work and their skill sets with things where they can have real impact and how to take that to the marketplace, right? The world of work, whether it's corporate, nonprofit or educational leadership, some of the primary um, industries that I help women in, you know, regardless of the market and get paid, right? For the value that they're bringing to the organization. i work with women who have credentials out the wazoo, who have five, 10, 15 years of experience. And are not making the money that they should command because either they're afraid to um, ask for the value or they don't know how to ask for the value or they've been told that they can't ask uh, because it's uh, they're asking for too much or they should be shamed or they should just be grateful for what they have. Gratitude is killing so many women's career. And what my role is as a mentor is to really help women break down those systematic barriers and really position themselves as the experts that they are.
0: You know, it's funny that you say that because yesterday um, I had an article that I um, wrote, an op-ed published in the Atlanta Voice, and there's so much like synchronicity to what you were just saying because the article in which i for those of you, I'll link it in the resources, but that article was about how stereotypes and stigmas impact Black women's money like in corporate America, right? And you know how you talked about using, like utilizing, leaning into the skill sets, right? And not letting just being black serve serving on diversity and equity like boards. And I talked about, similarly, but talked about how the need to really speak up and have the confidence and the courage and the tools to actually utilize your actual voice, like in addition to the skill sets that you have, but learning how to actually speak up for yourself Speak up for yourself for promotions and raises, right? Because like I talked about, it's a double-edged sword. You know, those the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So if you ain't squeaking, a lot of times they overlooking you because they feel that you're just comfortable where you are. You're good, right? And I talked about how it's so important, especially for our Black women listeners, it's so important that you lean in and own and get that confidence and courage up to find your voice in the space because you have so many years of experience. You've been there, done that. And i talked about in the article too, Ashley, about how, I feel like this perception that it's put on black women that you kind of just have to shut up and take it and be grateful for the fact that you're in that role. So when you said that, I'm like, that's exactly similar to what I was saying. It's like, yes, you're grateful that you're there, but you work to get there. Like you burned yourself out. You overextended yourself in so many ways. I wanted to share that because there's a lot of synchronicity in the perspective that I was coming from, too, as it relates to that. Like, there's so much more value in what we bring to the table and who we bring to the table when we show up. And being able to really own into that space more, like, it's it's beyond time for that.
1: Yeah, so true, and and the strategy that I use um, in working with my mentees it's called managing up, and so um, it's really three parts to managing up and managing well. And I think that when I'm talking about managing up, oftentimes a black folk, black women in particular, are really leveraging deference, right? We're really leveraging, you know, you know, being respectful and you know, following the hierarchy. But it's okay to manage up. In fact, your boss is actually waiting for you to manage up. Is what I share with my mentees. They're waiting for you to manage and lead. From from where you are and, and really leverage the skill sets that you have in the organization to advance the organization as you advance yourself. And so the three strategies for managing up is first really getting um, your employer, your supervisor, your boss to tell you exactly what they expect of you. You have to know exactly what they expect of you. No more ifs, ands, or buts about it. No more re- meeting with your Boss, you know, twice a year, no more, you know, stopping by your cub- cubicle and yelling, barking orders at you. You need to have a regularly scheduled meeting. I recommend a minimum 60 minutes a month to sit down with your supervisor and talk to them about exactly where you are in your career, what their expectations are of you, and how you're working to meet those expectations. You also have to get really clear on what exceptional work looks like. Too often, you know, folks are burning themselves at both ends when exceptional work looks like something very different. You need to get really clear on exactly what exceptional work looks like, because I know you want to be exceptional in your job. I know you want to do good work. So get to really understanding what it looks like. But then step number two is all about um, making sure that you articulate to your boss what you need from them to be successful. So it's not just about understanding what they expect of you, right? But it's also about making sure that you say, based on your expectations, I'm going to need this raise. I'm going to need two more staff members. I'm going to need a more flexible work schedule. I'm going to need more connections with clients and partners um, and customers, right? Like you need to articulate what you need to meet the expectations that they've outlined. And then step three is all about under-promising and over-delivering. Within 90 days, you should be able to meet some of those expectations and, ha- and be accountable to presenting the data, um, being a data-driven decision maker and being able to assess the work that you've done and be able to clearly articulate that work back to the employer. And so I um, do a whole training series for my mentees on managing up, what it means, how to do it well, but that is the framework. And managing up is a critical step, particularly for new and mid-level professionals as they seek
0: advancement. That's really good. And then, so let me ask you this though. I'm going to throw another scenario in there. So what about the woman who is moving up? She's probably mid-level already or even higher sometimes, who they actually don't have engaged leadership above them. Like their people are not really willing to... To sit down and go over skill sets and, and, you know, talk about measures and all that on a regular basis. Like they're like, look, we got to focus on bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. What uh, recommendations might you have in terms of managing up more when they're in that type of predicament? Absolutely. So the strategy applies. It still applies. You have to get your
1: manager to manage you and you have to manage them. There is no exception for not meeting with your supervisor on a regular basis. I still recommend at minimum 60 minutes a month. If you are working with a supervisor who says they're too busy to work with you, that they can't meet with you 60 minutes a month, sis it's time to start looking for a new job. Because I don't know, I don't care if you're on your way out the door in 30 days, if you hate your job, you need to leverage and Manage your supervisor right now to get what you want out of your career. And remember, managing up is not about, um, you know, telling them what to do and telling them how it's going to work and um, even getting their feedback on what you're doing. It's not about that. It's about asking them, what do you expect of me as an employee in this organization? And number two, it's about saying, based on this ex- those expectations, this is what I need from you to be successful. That's it. You don't need to get their feedback on your performance except for mid-year and annual reviews or however your organization does that. What you need to know is what they expect of you because you could be busting your butt on some project, some client, some process, and they don't even care about that. And now you're mad because you're exhausted and they're like, you're not even doing your job, girl. So what you need to do is get clear on what they expect of you. And then you need to say, based on your expectations, this is what I need from you. If you are a part of an organization where you cannot clearly get that from yourself, supervisor, let me mentor you because it's time for us to find a career alignment strategy that's, that is better suited for you because this job and this role will not allow you to
0: strive well. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point because like you get to a point where you have to like make a decision for yourself, you know, because I know several people and I was like that too. Although I was kind of, young in the workplace i didn't really know you know right but i was mid-level at the time and her people like they just would not make the time because they were like so sales driven right like well why would i sit with you when i can be out making having sales like you know all this kind of thing right it was so much of that dynamic and you're right it, it was so much frustration because you really couldn't tell whether you were meeting what the needs were Or all of that, you know, I mean, in my situation, I ended up turning it around and making it work for me. Like, and I know that's not intentional. I actually turned it around, decided to revamp the whole strategy and I started moving forward. They didn't even know they were too busy. And then I ended up getting promoted into the C-suite because of it, right? But that doesn't always happen, right? You know what I mean? But it's because I had a super clear internal drive for myself that if they were not going to manage me, I was going to figure out how to do it myself. And you don't often, but because they were so hands off, I had the opportunity to do that. That's not always the case, but I use that thing all the way to my advantage after so many years of like frustration, tears, because I'm like, you said the key thing, you said that you can be doing all of these things, right? And that it may not even be what they were looking for. Like, well, they like, you spent all that time on that, right? And then you're frustrated. So I love that you brought it, you know, kind of back around to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what you said, and I think that that is what's so critical for new and mid-level professionals and even executive level professionals is the clarity on what you're good at and how you're going to use what you're good at to get what you want. I know that this is a controversial topic, but I'll tell you right now, I do not believe in this idea of passion or this idea of dream jobs or like searching for your dream job. It's a myth. Careers are not destinations. There is no job that's going to have you in bliss. It's about a journey. It's about doing the work. It's about a pathway. And so what I really want people to move away from is I'm trying to find my passion. I'm trying to find my purpose. Girl, what we need to focus on is what you're good at. What are you good at? What skills do you have? How can you leverage those skills to get what you want? You know, I feel like passion and purpose is all a Pinterest board, but what women need to focus on is how they can leverage position and strategize to get what they want. And that doesn't mean that passion and purpose are useless. It's just not actionable. And I want women right now to focus on what's actionable and what's actionable is what they're good at. What skills do you have? What skills have you acquired? What degree and credential did you earn, right? Like I really want women to leverage that and not lean so much on passion. and purpose. We can get to passion and purpose after we learn how to use what we already have.
0: So for those of you who are just listening, I'm just taking it in, right? (laughs) You know, because I'm honestly like assessing, like, do I agree with that? Like, and I do, I can see so many aspects of that, right? But I'm going to, okay, I'm going to throw this at you too then. So let's have a conversation. I love conversation, So that's awesome, right? Okay. So what about the person who really wants to focus on the passion, like the things that they love, they want passion and purpose, that right now, that is the highest value for them.
1: Yeah, passion and purpose isn't a value. That, that's not what a value is. Values are things like faith, family, connection, community, wealth, excellence, right? Maybe you're passionate about social justice, right? It's really important to you. You really believe in equity, diversity, and inclusion. You believe in a more equitable world. But what you're good at is operations management. You have a degree in operations management. You've always, you know, helped organizations thrive through processes and back-end systems. So what you could do is go work for uh, the Trevor Project or Black Lives Matter and and leverage your skill sets and operations and organization management to help that organization thrive. You can be a social justice advocate and an operations leader at the same time. Because what happens, particularly for women, is that they are like, let me follow this bliss, let me follow my passion, and then they're broke. You can't serve anybody broke. So you need to go and follow, like, it's the, I'm not dismissing the passion, yeah. but what, but I want you to focus on what you're good at, how can you leverage this skill set and operations management and organizational development that you have to help organizations that are centered around equity and justice thrive? You don't have to be on the front lines with a sign to do the work. And you can still be very passionate about social justice and advocacy and inclusion and justice in the way that best serves organizations who do that work as well. Um, And so again, that's why I say passion should not be driving your decision-making. Your value should be. So If you value family, then you need to be able to build wealth and build money so you can have a legacy for your family, which means that you need to be able to do something well and make money. Right. If you value flexibility, that doesn't mean that you can't work and you need to be an entrepreneur. It means that you need to find an organization that also values flexibility and will let you work flexible hours, work from home, work while you travel. Right. It's the, the rhetoric around passion and purpose for women in particular has us lost. And it's all pink and it's all sparkles and it's all black girl magic. But it's not about
0: positioning and strategy. And that's what women need to get to the next level. You definitely have to have a lot of strategy. You have to have a lot of intention. Like you actually have to know what you're trying to accomplish. Like I know that so many women, like they think they know what they're trying to accomplish, but they don't always. And then you end up kind of spinning in a circle going for opportunities and working in roles that are misaligned. Because sometimes they focus too much on skill set and not actually the outcome of what they want. Like, oh, I have this skill set. Let's take operations, for example, right? I was a COO in corporate, so operations was my thing, right? So let's say take operations for, you know, example. Somebody can have a great skill set in operation and be miserable in the role. Because they didn't actually think more about the intention. What were they actually wanting? What's the outcome they were wanting? Because then that can actually help you find the companies and organizations that are more aligned with the skill set. Like, Because you know how you say you see the opposite. I see the we see it both in opposite ways like more so than not like the same kind of middle ground but i see people focusing so much on skill set and not enough on actually their values and finding that connection between the two like i don't usually see a lot of, see a lot of the other way around but it still ends up being the same goal you're not making hardly any money you're burnt out you're overextended like so many things so you really have to be mindful that you have both sides of it. Like, it's not all or nothing. Like, the number of people I've let go, because I'm like, this isn't a fit for you. Your skill sets are great, but based on what you're actually wanting, like, for me as a mentor, the other day, one of my, uh, somebody I worked with, she was like, you are a boss. Because, like, I was talking about how, with a company I was working at, there were so many people working, and I was going to leave uh, the C-suite. But I knew that the people who were working under me, the women in my administrative services, I made sure that they all had other positions with other companies with better money that were better aligned for them before I left. When I helped them get those roles, I left, right? Because I knew during my mentorship time with them, I got to know what was important for them, what they were best at. And I knew that where they were, they were not going to be able to get there, if that makes sense, right? And so even though they were great with skill set. They would not have been on the trajectory to actually get what they wanted out of it. And so I want women to make sure that you have to still have a connection. You can't be all passion and purpose, but you can't be all skill set either because you are going to be miserable. Like I worked so many roles before Strictly on like, oh, I'm good at that. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. But I was so unhappy because the values and things just did not align. It didn't work with the lifestyle that I wanted for myself. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's interesting that you share that because you're right, Keisha. It's not just about what you're good at, but it's also about what you care about. And there absolutely has to be alignment between your strengths and your weaknesses and your values. And it's those three together that really um, help you articulate your career area of impact. And so that's what I mean about getting away from this dream job language, right? It's not about a job, a destination. It's about a pathway to your career. And that's what the career area of impact is. It takes your skills. It it takes your values, it even takes your weaknesses, and it puts them in a matrix through an assessment that we do in those first two sessions to help you identify your career area of impact. And then after that, it's time to accelerate. We're going to really review your materials and make sure that those are strong. I'm going to help you identify how to position yourself as a top candidate in interviews. And then, of course, I'm going to help you negotiate and successfully start the job within the first 90 days so that you can be successful ongoing. And that includes teaching you how to manage up. So even As you start a new job right you have those skill sets to manage up and lead from where you are
0: okay so let me ask you this so this is gonna go into the question I'm gonna ask you because I want to weave it through a couple of things you know I talked about how when uh, we were talking before about times in your life where you may have felt silenced or felt like you had to speak up for yourself King and you mentioned that I mean, you probably have one or two. I think we all do. But for the most part, you felt like you kind of didn't grow up that way. Like it was really like permissible and encouraged for you to kind of speak up and use your voice. Would that be accurate? And so can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I grew up, I'm the oldest of seven children. Uh, I have six younger siblings, and that's a big part of my life. I'm really grateful for that. And our parents really encouraged us to speak up. Our parents encouraged us to use our voices and to be advocates for ourselves, you know, from day one. But even in that advocacy, you know, I'm still a Black woman in this world. And so certainly I can identify with being silenced. But what I think is true for me, and I'm so proud of this truth about myself, is that, yes, I've been silenced, but I've never been stuck. My friends have always teased me like, Ashley, girl, you can't keep a job. Every 18 months, you out of there. Because you know what's true about Ashley is that I'm never going to be stuck. If I'm not happy, I'm making a move. I trust myself. I trust my skill set. I know the value in my my credentials. And I'm never going to be anywhere where those values are not appropriately valid and compensated. And so absolutely, there's been times when I felt like uh, my employer didn't understand me or they didn't value my work or I was being bullied or put down in the workplace. But that was the moment, that was the trigger that said, I'm not going to stay stuck. And what I see from women before working with me is that they've been stuck for six months, for three years, for 10 years, they've been in the same place, experiencing the same gap like just extreme frustration and it's so critical it's it's okay to be stuck we've all been stuck we've all been silenced there is no shame and there is no guilt in that experience but what we have to commit to is moving is movement and not being stuck and moving from where we are to where we want to be and for me the critical pendulum of that has been mentorship it's been finding mentors young and old men and women uh, people who I saw as peers people who were well above me who can help give me
0: strategy to move my career forward what were some ways in your childhood that you were encouraged to speak up like do any examples come up to your mind you know, it's interesting. I think the the primary
1: way that I was encouraged to speak up was not always for myself, but for, for my siblings, right? Like as a big sister, I was told you have to speak up for them. You can't let her get pushed around. You, you know, you have to stand up for us. Right. And so it wasn't even always about like me speaking up for myself, unfortunately. And I think that I wish, you know, my parents would have encouraged me to more advocate for myself, but it was really about advocating for like, you know, my siblings advocating for our family, you know, speaking up about our family's values. I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And so speaking up about, you know, the gospel and things like that, like it was about like being a part of a community, being a part of a family where we knew we had to advocate for ourselves. And as the
0: oldest, I was a primary advocate. See, That's good. Like, I'm kind of I'm smiling thinking about it because I feel like a lot of people listening will be able to relate to that even if it's not like being an older sibling a lot of the women in my community tend to have been people who spoke up for everyone else but they had a difficult time or didn't really know the the value of speaking up for themselves right so i know a lot of people are like yeah i can i can see you know that experience like i think about that in my life like i it was i was actually encouraged you know, to speak up for others, for the less fortunate or people who were going through things. But then at times in my personal experience, when I would speak up for myself, it was not, it it was not well received. And it always gave, I never understood it, it always gave me very mixed messages. And for me, it created a culture or personal culture of advocacy, 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 but I was not actually taking care of that thing like for myself, you know? And so for me, it led to like a lot of burnout, a lot of worthiness issues that I didn't really realize, right? You know, and so I was, I'm was, i like, yeah, I can see that.
1: Yeah, and it's unfortunate you know, I work through an exercise through the assessment with women where they work to identify their values. Uh, I have seven women in this cohort. And I literally, Keisha, I was blown away that none of the seven women had family as a value. And I was so proud of them. Not because I don't think they care about their families, but there's finally a group of women who are not like my husband, family, uh, community. They were like wealth, they were like, excellence. They were like, competency. Mm-hmm. That's what I value. And I'm like, yes, finally. Because it's so true, right? It's so true that women, Black women in particular, have been taught that they must advocate for everyone else. They must stand up for everyone else. Even when I think about the Black Lives Matter movement, it's primarily used to support men who have been um, you know, victims of police violence, even though it's a movement that was developed by Black women. I mean, it just blows the mind. And so too often we're taught to advocate and celebrate and support and include and 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 gather around everyone else but not ourselves but no more like as a career development mentor my job is to help women figure out what they're good at and figure out how to leverage that figure out how to use it girl figure out how to align it with your values and use it to get what you want out of your career and of course you can use what you want to support yourself to support your family and friends but their values their advocacy their support should not come before your own.
0: Yep. I agree completely with that. And I think that that's one of the things that actually helps a lot of women get into that position of stuckness. You know how you talked about like, you wouldn't allow yourself to be stuck. Like I went through that like very on when I first was starting in, like in my career, like, and my parents were like, cause they were the kind of people like you get into a, a company, you just stay there. Even when the pay is trash even when they treat you like trash. And I never understood that, right? Like I would be on to the next. Like it, usually I lasted about two years in the beginning. And for some reason, right around, I started to get that itch every time around that. <laughs> and I would be like on and to the next years, thing.
1: 18, months, 18 month itch. I'm like, okay, I'm out. This is cute, but I'm out. <laughs>
0: Like I was going back, like looking over my resume at one point and I was like, wow, it was like literally like almost like every two years for the first and I was like, and it made me laugh at the time I didn't realize that, right? But it's just like, I I was, I knew that there was something more, something better, something more aligned, right? And I had no problems like going for it, you know? But then the weird part is that eventually that stopped and I kind of got stuck in my head, right? It was a very weird position because for me, I was, I had made it to the C-suite and I was in my twenties. And so it was very awkward because I didn't really know where I could go from there, if that made sense, right? I mean, now, of course, I see it and I know that there's so many different things, but I didn't know where to go. And so I stayed in something that became mentally and emotionally harmful like to me, you know. I had a well overextended. I made it past my two years, right? And I just kind of got stuck because you know that's why that part of like mentorship is so important right so that you can have someone who can see that the things further ahead from you help you to give you that refreshing that refreshment and understanding of where you can pivot and where you can go but I got to a point where I'm like okay I'm 20 something years old I'm a COO in corporate already like what now like I had checked the box that I had a little girl I knew I was one day I was going to be, I thought I was going to be a CEO. Well, I am in my own company, but I was like, I checked the C-suite box, right? Okay. What now? What? I got the whole rest of my life like ahead of me. And it was really awkward. You know what I mean? And uncomfortable, you know, for myself at that time. No, so true.
1: And I think that that's exactly why I created the Mentor Me Mastermind, because It is for senior level women. What happens is that they reach a point in their career where they are supervising people. They have made it to those advanced level positions, but they're still stuck. They're still unhappy. They're still not advancing in the way that feels most meaningful to them. And they're also not having the impact that they want. And so in addition to helping new and mid-level professionals um, with the Mentor Me Accelerator, um, I recently launched the Mentor Me Mastermind, which is a longer executive coaching program specifically for senior level women. These are the women who have those advanced degrees, have seven plus years of experience, have supervisory experience, but they are still missing the key credentials that they need to get to the next level. And they also don't have a career development plan. They don't know what's next. They've been working hard, head down, you know, busting their butt, burnout to get where they are. And now they're like, is this it? Is this what it's supposed to be? And so now then, right, it's all about getting to the next level. And that's what that mastermind is about. It's a, about a small group of of mid and senior level women who really can mastermind around the next steps of their career and experience in fulfillment
0: and impact. Yeah, and like, and that's so important. And I tell people that, like, because it always blows my mind when, like, I work with a lot of women who are executives, and some of them are executives, like in their own company, or some of them are entrepreneurs who actually want to run their companies, like, like executives, right? Which I always love. Like, that's my sweet spot. Is like, you know, I love that, but it always blows my mind how when a lot of these women leave, like, the corporate world, right? they feel like and i'm like okay so what's your career oh i don't have a career i don't work in corporate anymore i don't know why having a career has become synonymous with like working you know, for someone else. But I always like, it gives me a chuckle, right? Because I think we've just learned to segment like so much that like you lose a lot of your professional value if you step away from a company and do it yourself. And that's just simply not true, right? There's still the importance of having a plan, having a career plan, even if you're running your own organization, right? That there, there, that doesn't change. It's not like oh, I don't work at corporate anymore. I don't need a plan anymore. No, now you yeah. The values are still play. the same. You still yeah. need a career development plan, even if you're
1: if you are the CEO of said career. Absolutely, that's good. That's good feedback, Keisha.
0: You know, I mean, but it, it's true. You know, like now you really need a plan more than ever because there is not a natural trajectory for you. Like you are in control of creating that dynamic of where things go. Well, co-creating with God, because you can make a plan. They say you want to make God laugh, make a plan, right? You can make a plan and it's still not going to form, but you need uh, planning more so when you are the director of the ship. Like, because so many times, a lot of the burden of everything lies on your head, on your shoulders, and that can be overwhelming. You know what I mean? At times, and so I think it's still so important to see yourself and, you know, as someone in a career, you just get to have potential, a little bit more flexibility with what that career looks like. It doesn't have to be a straight line. It gives you a chance to weave in many different parts of who you are, which I think is so important. So let me ask you this, Ashley. So when people, when women come to you, what are some of the personal hangups that they're having that's affecting them with their career planning or trajectory? Sure.
1: I think a lot of, you talked about this before, like worthiness and self-worth issues, self-esteem, you know, imposter syndrome plagues so many of the women that I work with, um, and it's real, right? Like for me, imposter syndrome is a symptom of white supremacy. It's a symptom of living in, you know, a world that devalues women. It's a symptom of patriarchy. And so, what I tell my mentees is that, uh, you know, imposter syndrome and these these challenges with worthiness are real, and no one is exempt from them. I suffer from imposter syndrome as I manage and help and mentor women around it as well, but what's true is that I don't get stuck in it I let those feelings roll over me I let I experience them I walk right through them I don't walk around them I don't walk under them I don't try to you know push them out the way I walk right through them and it is the movement through challenging times through our career through imposter syndrome um, is where I think women who I work with see a lot of value I think a lot of women have been hurt in the world of work they've been shamed they've been bullied they've been beat up uh, they've made mistakes And they've had those mistakes, um, you know, put on front street, they've been lambasted in their career. There's a lot of shame around that. But what's true is that we all make mistakes. We've all had challenging parts of our career. And the shame belongs to the person who shamed you, not to you, because mistakes, gaps, hiccups in your career development are normal. And you can receive challenging feedback. You can make a mistake and rebound from that. But so many women haven't had the opportunity, the grace to rebound. And so I'm really doing a lot of repairing and support around that.
0: Ashley, what has been something in your own personal journey that you have kind of grappled with the most? I think
1: my own racial identity and navigating the world of work has been something that I have grappled with, um, particularly over the last. I would say five years in particular. Um, So I think that, you know, in my 20s and even early 30s, I would be like, yeah, I'm a Black woman, but my identity and who I am doesn't have anything to do with work. I go to work, I say hi, I say bye, and I kick it with my friends and I spend time with my family. And my boyfriend, or whatever, and that's like my life and work are two totally separate things that shall never meet. But what I have learned over the past five years, in particular, is that I have to show up as my whole self at work, Keisha. Uh, Keisha's community. I have to bring aut- this authenticity into the work every day. I cannot leave at home, Ashley, out of work. And that doesn't mean I show up to work looking any kind of way, or I don't practice professionalism in the way that feels authentic. But what it does mean is that I can bring uh, my feminist ideals into the workplace. I can bring my anti-racist ideals into the workplace. I can bring connection and community into the workplace. And that doesn't mean that I kiki with you every weekend and we hang out and drink beers after work. But what it does mean is that I am going to show up authentically. And if you're a part of my team, if you're a part of my staff, one, I'm going to expect you to do the same. And two, you are going to end up with some of my values because you won't be successful here without them. So what do I value? Anti-racism. That that everybody in my unit right now has to have goals this year that are related to equity and justice that are not tied to training. It's not me you're going to go to a conference and learn about equity and justice. You need to be doing equity and justice work right now. I don't care if you're the admin assistant. Admin assistant, figure out a way that you can advance equity and justice, right? It's in bringing those things together that I'm so proud of, something that I haven't always done. I really kept those things separate. But I think that that speaks to my maturity. It speaks to me coming into my own and it speaks to um, me doing that in a more well, authentic way.
0: Yeah. Like I, a lot of people, a lot of the people coming to my orbit are similar in the respect of like they're, lives like i know that's well usually why they come to me they're like i get it like when you talk about two separate worlds and i talk about that so often like personal did not meet business did not meet personal that makes sense right like completely separate like even for me it was to the point where i wasn't even going by the same name in my personal life and my business life like they were two separate worlds you were not going to figure out what i had going on over here or this and that right and then but i got so the segmented at a certain point didn't work anymore right? And it's like, I need to bring all of who I am fully Keisha, all of my ideals, my values, all of the things into the space, right? So when you said that, I'm like, I get it, I get it, I get it. And I do think it comes with kind of, you know, maturation and just, you know, as you get older, well, as you know better, you do better kind of thing, right? But I think it comes with feeling, having the confidence and the courage to embrace all of your identities. Because I think that sometimes you feel like you have to like dismiss some identities in the workplace and then it has you feeling like, you know, you can't really be who you are. You can't bring all of your, your things to the table, you know? And I think embracing all of the identities that make you who you are and not segmented them so much can really serve, you know what I mean? Like serve you well, like in the workplace, even if that is in your own company, like still, especially if it's in your own company, right? You have, the capability to really shift the dynamic and lives of the people who are in your space, who work for you, who work with you, right? Your leadership can really bring something different that other areas of corporate America, for example, may not allow you to because of the systems that have to be dismantled in order for it to really happen on a large scale. Because yes, you can typically go in and talk to your boss and make a small change, but the grander changes like on a larger systemic scale are not as simple as quickly to shift as if you have the direct connection to be able to do it, like based on who you are. And so really bringing all of that, all of who you are, your values, your ideals, all of the things, and using your resources and, and your power to actually influence, like, you know what I mean, shifting the dynamics. Like you talked about your team, Ashley, and how you require them to do like anti-racism things, right? You know, um, and stuff like that. But when you can do those things on a direct scale and have an actual direct impact, I implore you to do so, right? It will make such a big difference. Like I'm sure you'll see the difference in everyone and you'll know that you're kind of doing like your part, which I love. So Ashley, what would you give like in final words to our listeners today? What would you like to say or another tip that you would like to give? It's time
1: to get unstuck. It is absolutely time to get unstuck. Um, You have been in this place for a really long time. You know better, but you're not doing better. You've let shame and guilt keep you stuck even beyond the original thing that was keeping you stuck. And you know it's going to take an investment of your time, of your money, of your resources, of some vulnerability to get unstuck. But this is the nudge. This is the nudge that you need. It's time to get unstuck. And as a career development mentor, if the place where you find yourself most stuck is around advancing your career in a meaningful way, needing to have and desiring to have more impact and be able to serve people at a higher level and be paid well for that, let me mentor you. You can go to my website at mentor-me.org. That's M-E-N tor-me.org. Schedule your mentor moment. That's a free 20-minute opportunity for us to hop on a phone call, really understand what the most pressing issues are facing your career, and we will map out how I can best serve you as a mentor. I am accepting mentees right now in my Mentor Me Accelerator and my Mentor Me Mastermind. So if you know you need career high-impact strategy to get to the next level, check out my website and schedule today.
0: And for those of you who aren't able to write this down, if you're listening in your podcast player, uh, when you go to the episode webpage, uh, her links will be there. So you don't worry about not remembering what they are. You'll be able to go and connect with her and click on the links. And if you feel compelled and connected, to reach out to her and don't forget to email us or comment and let me know what you thought about this episode, if anything came up for you, or even if you had any questions that came up for you. Ashley, thank you so much for your time and for being on our podcast today. Yes, I'm so
1: happy to be here, Keisha. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. All right, you all, until next time, ta-ta. To watch the video episode with today's co host visit keishashields.com slash podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to be notified of our next episode because you won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to this episode of She Will Not Be Silenced with Keisha Shields. If you are an executive or highly driven leader ready to amplify your wealth, legacy, and your voice on your terms, and overcome the impact of feeling silenced, visit keishashields.com slash hire to work with me one-to-one or to find more information on how to bring me into your company or organization to help support your women leaders.